Hello and welcome to episode 368 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Thursday, December 1st, 2022, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, continuing to look at the writings of the great Brazilian theologian, the late Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira. This was published in Catholicism number 30 in June of 1953, and it is entitled Devotion to the Heart of Mary Will Save the World from Communism. And I apologize in advance because I've run this through Google Translate. Obviously, he's writing in Portuguese, and sometimes the translation isn't always the best, so please bear with me. The professor states, as we said before, the studies that we are publishing on Fatima presume to demonstrate as a starting point that Our Lady really appeared to Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco and communicated to them the messages that they in turn transmitted to the world. For the sake of method, we wish to recall this point, which is the cornerstone of everything written about Fatima. In the case of apparitions that the seers claim were destined for the knowledge of the Holy Father, the sacred hierarchy, the whole of Christendom. In short, there is no middle ground possible or the proofs are clear, certain, fully conclusive, in which case the revelations deserve full credit or the evidence is dubious, confused, debatable. And in this case, the messages are false because it is not understood that if Our Lady really wanted to send a message to the world, she would not dispose of the facts in such a way as to provide humanity with reasonable reasons for taking them to be authentic. Viewing the matter thus, we are led by the very nature of things to another alternative. If the evidence is correct, if the messages are authentic, it is impossible not to give the greatest importance to what they contain. Absolutely. I'll pause here and put my two cents in. If these are authentic messages, as Dr. Marshall likes to say, if the mother of God truly got off of her throne in heaven and came down to Fatima, Portugal, six times in 1917, then we better be listening to what she had to say. If these are real, and they are, has the approval of the local bishop, and a miraculous appearance of Our Lady along with St. Joseph and Our Lord, the miracle of the sun, which was witnessed by over 70,000 people in October of 1917, then this has dramatic ramifications for the church and the world. The professor continues by saying, if Our Lady really spoke to us, we must have the highest consideration for what she told us. Meditate at length on each of her words. Extract from them by diligent analysis all that they contain. But on the other hand, if the proofs are not certain, it would be better not to waste a minute on the subject. Just as messages cannot be given only half faith, so their content cannot be attributed to half importance. We stress this fundamental aspect of the question so insistently because it seems to us that, unfortunately, an atmosphere of half-belief and half-importance 
is much more frequent with regard to Fatima than one might perhaps imagine at first sight. Great writers, great Catholic theologians, such as Professor Plinio, what they have to say has the ring of truth to it, has such clarity, it cuts through all the nonsense. So if this is true, then we have to take it very seriously. But if it's not, then we discount it. We don't pay any attention to it. Like Professor Crave says, the only two things in life that really matter are truth and love. And the only thing, the only reason to believe in something is because it's true. Not because it makes you feel good, not because uh, it makes you fit in at cocktail parties or at your job or anything else. But the only reason to believe in something is because it's true. If it's not true, you don't believe in it. Why did you stop believing in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy? Because they're not true. And we get into that bait that debate, and this is that time of year, whether it's okay for kids to believe in Santa Claus and for parents to tell their kids that Santa Claus is real, I say no, because that's a lie. And lying is never right. And when you lie to your children about something like Santa or the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy, well, it's not surprising, especially in this secular era that we live in, when they say, well, God's just an imaginary character too. Or why did you lie to me about Santa Claus and now this religion stuff is suddenly real. Only reason to believe in something is because it's true. The professor continues by saying, the gravity of the situation in the world, according to the message of Fatima. Our lady therefore spoke to the world. She described the situation as extremely serious, pointed out the frightful moral decay of humanity as the cause of the situation threatened us with terrible earthly punishments, a new war, the worldwide spread of the errors of communism, persecutions of the church, and with an eternal punishment a thousand times worse, hell, if we do not amend, and finally prescribed the necessary means for us to arrive at the amendment and avoid so many punishments. In spite of some crazy people who close their eyes to the most obvious reality and take pleasure in affirming that this world we live in of doubt, naturalism, moral indiscipline, and the adoration of earthly happiness is in order with God, it is necessary to believe the opposite because it is the opposite that Our Lady tells us. And once again, Professor Plinio is writing in 1953, how much worse off from a moral perspective is society nowadays? He continues by saying, it is quite true that some evolutionary sociologists, much more evolutionists than sociologists, take pleasure in saying that today is better than yesterday and that tomorrow will necessarily be better than today. Our Lady, however, tells us that the truth is very different. Tomorrow will only be better than today if we amend and do penance. Otherwise, however much material progress, medicine, finance, entertainment, the comfort of life finally develop, we are heading towards a great and universal collapse. He speaks with the prophetic voice, doesn't he, my friends? Again, this is 1953. He could not possibly have foreseen the internet and smartphones and all the other stuff we have nowadays. We think we're so smart. 
we think we're so advanced. And many people have convinced themselves and children, Lord help us, that men can be women, that women can be men, that it's a right to murder a baby and all these other horrible things. No. Society only truly progresses when it's in accordance with the moral order. There is no progress whatsoever outside of the moral order. We are much more degenerate, far more degenerate than the Middle Ages were. The Middle Ages was the high point of Catholic civilization. The professor continues by saying there is also, unfortunately, no lack of optimistic theologians who create a pleasant atmosphere of sympathy around themselves, stating that almost no one is condemned to hell. Our Lady, however, teaches the opposite and does so not only in words, but also with the invincible argument of the concrete fact. She opens hell to the terrified shepherd children so that they can tell the whole world what they saw. And it is in Our Lady and not in a certain lukewarm theology made of orange blossom water that one has to believe. Supernatural life is the real solution. We have already noted in passing in a previous article that Our Lady points to prayer, penance, amendment of life as fundamental remedies for the contemporary world. It is on these three purely spiritual provisions that she makes the maintenance of peace, the preservation of the West against communist propaganda, the survival of civilization itself depend. Many ill-informed Catholics who place all their hopes in merely human means could be shocked by this. It seems to them that everything would be saved on the day when the church was strongly endowed with seminaries, universities, newspapers, magazines, bookstores, cinemas, theaters, works of charity and social assistance. In this conception, everything is reduced to the merely natural scope. Dechristianization is caused by the inadequacy of our means of propaganda and action. The day we have remedied this shortcoming, we will have defeated dechristianization. However, Our Lady appears at Fatima and she does not say a single word about all these means of action. How to explain this mystery? Where's the word of the popes who have not ceased recommending everything about which Our Lady was silent? Are the Fatima messages in contradiction with papal directives? It would be easy to answer all these questions if Catholics took the trouble to read the pontifical documents seriously and in full, instead of being content with quotations that they find scattered here and there in certain books and newspapers committed, it seems, to doing a veritable filtering of everything in the words of the Supreme Pontiff that eventually collides with their prejudices. The popes never tire of recommending the use of all legitimate natural means to promote the social reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. However, they don't stop there. In truly countless documents, it is shown that natural means will not be of any effectiveness if those who fight for the church do not have a continuous life of piety, mortification, sacrifice. If the soldiers of Christ do not constantly keep in view that natural means of action must be channels of God's grace and that the apostle, clergyman or layman, needs to be himself a reservoir of the graces that must quicken his works. In a word, the essential thesis of Dom Chatard's incomparable book, The Soul of Every Apostolate, have been inculcated in every way by the popes. 
And these are the same principles that Our Lady teaches us at Fatima. The Blessed Virgin does not say that we do not dedicate ourselves entirely to the works of the apostolate, but she repeats the teaching of our Lord in Bethany. It is necessary to live in intimate union of soul with God, since everything else flows from there. And without such union, the wisest, most useful, most opportune works will be miserably sterile. Guardian Angel of the Fatherland is the next section. Let us now notice very briefly other aspects of the Fatima messages. The appearance of the Angel of Portugal reminds us of the Church's doctrine that each people has its own guardian angel. There was a time when each nation had a particular devotion to its guardian angel, invoking him in its tribulations, and especially in the struggle to keep the people in the Church's guild. Have we thought about this? Do we worship the guardian angel of Brazil? And once again, that term worship, not meaning latria, but honor. It might be good at this point to pause and ask ourselves a question. Do we honor the guardian nation of our country? I live in the United States of America. We've had listeners in Canada, England, Ireland, Chile, all over the world to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Are you honoring the guardian of your nation? Be sure to do that, my friends. Love and fear of God is the next section. The angel prays in the presence of the little shepherds, bowing deeply with his face to the ground. It is an example we should imitate. In our prayers, let us be trusting, intimate, filial, But we must not forget that true filial piety does not exclude. Rather, it presupposes the deepest respect. This is yet another point where the Fatima revelations contain precious teachings for modern man. Because by dint of talking about democracy and everything and for everything, we often end up deforming our mentality in such a way that we introduce an egalitarian tonus even in our relations with God. The next section is devotions that liturgicalism fights. Lately, liturgicalism has instilled in Catholic ranks tenacious prejudices against certain devotions, among which the cult of the Blessed Sacrament, Extra Misam, and the Holy Rosary. Now, both of these devotions are strongly inculcated in Fatima. To God, nothing is impossible. Thus, if Providence had pleased, the little shepherds could have been transported by a phenomenon of bilocation, for example, to some place where the holy sacrifice was celebrated, to receive Holy Communion during it. Ultimately, this would be as extraordinary as entrusting the sacred species to the angel so that the little shepherds could partake of them. However, it was the latter, the way provided by providence. If there were in the Eucharistic cult extra misam, something intrinsically contrary to the true way of understanding the real presence, it would be impossible for providence to determine that the Eucharistic adoration of the angel and the first communion of the shepherds took place in the way in which they actually took place. As for the Holy Rosary, it would be difficult to recommend it with greater insistence. I am the Lady of the Rosary, the Blessed Virgin said of herself in the last of her apparitions. And in almost all of them, she explicitly inculcated this devotion to the little shepherds. How can one pretend then that the rosary has lost something of its relevance? Amen to that, Professor Plinio. The mother of God 
my friends, identifies herself as the lady of the rosary. The mother of God does this. We see how important, how precious this devotion is to her and to her son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Take up that rosary every single day, fathers and grandfathers, especially lead your families in the rosary daily. The professor continues by saying, it is even proclaimed that the meditation of hell is inappropriate for our times and capable only of instilling a slavish fear. The statement falls to the ground with a bang in view of what happened in Fatima because the vision of hell with which the three little shepherds were favored was evidently destined to refine their love and their sense of apostolate. In other words, my friends, having not a slavish fear, but a good salutary fear of hell is very important because the good news of the gospel as Dr. Ralph Martin is fond of preaching, can't really be preached without the bad news. Yes, the good news is if we repent and believe in the gospel, if we die in a state of grace, we go to heaven. But if we don't, we go to hell. We're separated from our Lord and our Lady and St. Joseph and all the angels and saints forever. That's the bad news. And the problem in the church today is this universalism. Dare we hope all men can be saved? Guess what? All men are not saved. We have to repent and believe in the gospel. And if we don't, and if we say that everyone just kind of magically goes to heaven, then what did our Lord die for? He died to save us from our sins. Jesus died because hell does exist, and he wants to save us from that. He wants us to be happy with him forever in heaven. It makes a mockery of what Jesus did to say that hell doesn't exist or that no one goes there. The next section is devotions to the sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary. In Fatima, devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus is also inculcated with expressive insistence, which has also been put in the dark by a certain trend of spirituality very much in vogue in our days. The cult of the Sacred Heart of Jesus has been considered by all theologians as one of the most precious graces with which the Holy Church has been comforted in recent centuries. Its aim was to rekindle in men the love of God, which had been dulled by the naturalism of the Renaissance, by the errors of Protestants, Jansenists, Deists, and Rationalists. In the last century, it was through this devotion that the apostolate of prayer produced an admirable resurgence of religious life throughout the world. And as the evils from which the sacred heart of Jesus must preserve us grow day by day, it is evident that the relevance of this incomparable devotion is accentuated day by day. However, it is necessary to add that in the aggravation of contemporary evils, providence wanted to overcome itself, pointing to men as the target of their piety, the heart of Mary, which in a certain way refines and brings to its fullness the cult of the sacred heart of Jesus. It seems to us, however, that the simple reading of Fatima's messages demonstrates how insistently Our Lady wants them for our days. The mission that she entrusted to Sister Lucia was especially that of staying on earth to attract men to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Several times this devotion is recommended during visions, 
The most holy heart even appears to us in the second apparition, crowned with thorns for our sins, asking for men's prayers of reparation. It seems to us that this point summed up in itself all the treasures of Fatima's messages. As a whole, therefore, the apparitions of Fatima, on the one hand, teach us about the terrible gravity of the world's situation, about the true causes of our ills. And on the other hand, they teach us the means by which we must obviate the earthly and eternal punishments that threaten us. To the ancients, God sent prophets. In our days, he spoke to us from the queen of prophets herself. Thus studied how much Our Lady wanted to manifest what to say. The only adequate words are those of our Lord in the Holy Gospel. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. So ends the article. In other words, my friends, what more can Our Lord and Our Lady do for us? Our Lady is doing the spiritual equivalent of getting out the bullhorn and shouting at us, we need to repent and believe in the gospel. We need to say the rosary. We need to go to confession. We need to come back to Jesus. She talks in the Fatima apparitions about how greatly Jesus is offended. This is 1917. We have in our minds, you know, my grandparent, well, one of my grandparents was born in 1916. May they all rest in peace. None of my other grandparents were even born. We think of this as some bucolic time of great holiness. And indeed, in many places it was, but the First World War was already going on. And we know that war is a punishment for sin. How much worse have things gotten in society in the last 105 years? Things that were unimaginable to people living in 1917. They would have died of shock if they could get in a time machine and see what would be going on in 2022. Repent, repent, repent. Remember the words of the angel at Fatima. Penance, penance, penance. And now at the end, as we've been doing with all of the episodes of Our Lady's podcast, we talk about helping autism through learning and outreach located on the web at halo-soma.org. That's halo-soma.org. If you have any friends or family members who have been afflicted with non-speaking autism, this is the place to go to learn more information about RPM, otherwise known as Rapid Prompting Method, which is a system for communicating for non-speakers. Some people call it typing to talk or spelling to talk. You might've heard it mentioned in that manner. Also, check out episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. I interview my sister and my niece, and we talk all about RPM. Let us pray for non-speakers and for their families, because communication is a human right. Memorari to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness hear and answer me. Amen. Prayer for healing. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael, Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks 
Praise your name and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of Our Lady of Fatima's Immaculate Purity. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. And a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicudera in principio, et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. Sweetheart of Mary, be the salvation of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis. Sancti Osef, terra daimonem, ora pro nobis. Sancta Raphael, Archangeli, ora pro nobis. In nomine Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 368 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. All the shows are available there, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Podbean, the web, anywhere you listen to your podcast, basically. Most importantly, please pray for the eternal salvation of all of our Catholic bishops. Goodbye, and God love you.